Welcome, everything is Bonzer. You are listening to Fork and Bullshirt, the Good Place podcast. I'm Vivian. And I'm Jason. We'll be the architects of your journey into the afterlife. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 3, The Brainy Bunch. It was written by Dan Schofield, directed by Jude Wang, and aired October 4th, 2018. Alright, let's, uh, let's talk about what happened in the episode. Okay. Trevor has joined the academic study, and he's positively overjoyed to be part of the group. Eleanor is put off by his enthusiasm, while the others seem unfazed. Michael and Janet are worried about the humans. Chidi and Simone discuss their plans for the tests. They'll give the subjects ethics problems and scan their brains to get a baseline of their moral instincts. Then, they'll show them pictures that trigger memories of their near-death experiences and repeat the scan. Hmm, so your comments last week about memory poking and mm-hmm. examining seems to be coming to fruition yeah well triggering the near-death experience makes sense right like hey reminder you nearly died yeah so maybe do you want to change some of the answers you had last time <laughs> and it's interesting to think about what part of the brain is going to light up during those moments like is there something that's going to surprise simone yeah they kind of breezed past it this episode like mm-hmm. they set it up and then went to the end of the test like we didn't get to see any of it no yeah we didn't get to see anything it was just the baseline part i guess so i wonder if that's kind of a hint that it's not important that makes me really sad though. i know i, I know i get that to too important i really do actually just hearing what their plan was for the first round made me really excited and I kind of want, like, an episode that properly focuses on it. Focuses on the study. Or at least a couple scenes. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Give me those questions. What What are you asking Eleanor? And what are you asking Jason? Are you asking them the same things, different things? I think we're definitely going to see more of that in the next episode. Okay. Now that Michael and Janet aren't able to monitor them. Right. Yes, that makes sense. Plus, we did get rid of trevor in this episode (laughs) we did we're jumping ahead though yes so when chidi was discussing the elements that he would show jason while he was in the scan he realized like that would have been a horrific death Mm -hmm. it would have been horrible and we both said that last week like that would have been the worst just awful and it's nice to see that chidi also recognizes that yes definitely Um, There was some speculation in our replies last week on Twitter uh, that Trevor might try to seduce Eleanor. Mm -hmm. That might be his angle. I'm really glad that they went in a different direction. Annoy her to death. Yeah, we don't need to start some sort of like weird love chemistry, whatever. Plus then we get into like weird consent kind of situations because he'd be lying about his identity, blah, blah, blah. Right? So I'm just glad... That we went in the, like, overly enthusiastic, like, very grating and irritating, constantly, like, you know, touching her, giving her stupid nicknames. Like, oh, he's so annoying. Oh, he's the worst. He is the worst. And he's definitely a person who would think of himself as a nice guy. So, barf. Yeah, barf. Um, going back to Jason's images, I actually had to look up what whippets were. Because I know they'd been mentioned many times before, mm-hmm. doing whippets and all that. So I had to look it up. And in case anybody else is too embarrassed to admit that they don't know what that is. <laughs> doesn't want to do a quick Google Doesn't search. want to do a quick Google. Um, it's basically 
the act of using nitrous oxide as a high. So there's these little canisters that uh, are used in like whipped cream containers or to inflate balloons or whatever that use uh, nitrous oxide, which is the same as laughing gas at a dentist or Mm -hmm. even the nitrous oxide that, you know, the Fast and Furious crew use in their car to make their car go fast. (laughs) Ooh, I got to flip on the NOS, you know, that type. (laughs) So it's obviously using a very small amount, but it's the act of inhaling Mm. those little canisters. Mm. Or even if you're on a tight budget, you just go buy a can of whipped cream and inhale that. So you eat the whipped cream and then you just keep... No, you don't turn it over because if you turn it over, then you're spraying the whipped cream. But if you leave it upright, then you're just releasing the nitrous oxide into the air. But then how do you get the whipped cream is my question here. Rest in peace, whipped cream. (laughs) Aw, sad. Yep. Just unwhipped cream in that canister. Very sad. Another thing about Jason is he's like, he's so dumb, right? But (laughs) okay. That's a good setup for a joke. (laughs) He's just so stupid. And then we just like take it even further, right? With the Spider-Man joke and him having the spider in his hands that no one has seemed to notice that his hands are like inflated and like all bubbled up, right? What is He's that? in Australia. And worst place to decide to capture a spider. Okay, I guess Brazil also has like a very dangerous spider. But still, there are spiders in Australia that can poison you. I don't know if you can die. I did Google it. Did not get a definitive answer. But, ugh, they're huge. What does this say about Eleanor, though, that she immediately knows what he was trying to do? Mm, I think it's just her realizing he's that dumb. She's going she down it. to his level and kind of like going onto the same wavelength. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm there with you. Mm. I get you. Yeah. And... We've got Trevor's dank memes. Oh my god. Okay, so let's clear things up for the timeline. At this point, is it around 2017? I... Because Eleanor died in 2016. Right. So if she lived about a year Mm -hmm. around that, so we're around 2017. Okay. So the dank meme would be correct that he mentioned, uh, him and Jason mentioned the damn Daniel. Um, back at it again with the white vans. Not a clue what you're talking about. No, you <laughs> no. never you never watched that one? No. Oh, it was just a kid following around one of his friends with vans, shoes, and just <laughs> kept on filming it and putting it on Twitter and Vine. Okay. Then just saying that over again. Damn, Daniel. Damn, Daniel. Back at it again with the white vans. Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Jason is absolutely someone who would have participated very heavily in Vine mm-hmm. and loved watching Vines. Oh, yeah. They're the yeah. perfect. It was the perfect platform for short attention span humor. Yeah. So Jason. <laughs> All right. Let's continue. Michael returns to Earth to confront Trevor. Trevor explains his plan to Michael, who struggles to find a way to help the humans. Trevor suggests that the group go out for a drink together. Eleanor isn't thrilled with the idea. She asks Chidi if they can continue their individual sessions, but Chidi says, with the study and his classes, he doesn't have time. Hmm. Yeah. All right, let's back it up. So, Trevor and Michael in the hallway. I find it hilarious watching Ted Danson, like, lean over that water fountain and very obviously not be drinking water. And then turn around. He just, he's really funny. Like, he, he does a great job 
of being bad at being sneaky. Mm-hmm. You know, Michael isn't good at lying anymore. He says it himself in this episode. He's not good at sneaking around. And clearly, with Trevor, he's just an inferior demon, right? Which is not a bad thing. I wonder if that's always been the case. Yeah, that makes me wonder too. I noticed that Trevor refers to the humans as cockroaches. I know, that's pretty great, right? Yeah, so I was like, oh, maybe that's just a thing in the, the bad place. The they demons always... call humans cockroaches because they're just pests, exactly. insects. I do feel like there's a little bit too much explanation going on in this episode, though. Trevor says it's more fun to mess with humans than just to turn him in. But then he combines that with, like, Michael not being able to join him and then later telling us about, like, his detailed explanation of how he'll get Tahani to leave and Eleanor to leave. And I just felt kind of like, I know. I know what you're doing. Even the first time I was watching it, I didn't want to be told. I wanted to be shown. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I was being shown. So it was a bit much for me, personally. Yeah, the episode is so packed with mm-hmm. so much stuff like this episode literally moves a mile a minute and it's mm-hmm. it's great but i totally agree with the exposition part it wasn't necessary but we still needed to see michael and we needed to see michael not being able to stop trevor mm-hmm. but i guess we didn't really need trevor to like explain everything even though it kind of makes sense with his character because he's so full of himself and like super conceited and right. thinks he's like the best and michael's like nothing so i'm just gonna tell you all my plans because <laughs> i mean i'm a terrible villain but also <laughs> because you're not gonna be able to stop me yeah maybe it's it's sort of a confident well an overconfident thing where you're sure. like look at how great my plan is no i need to explain it to you because like you can't just see it because you're so dumb you don't even comprehend that i it. have to explain it yeah. to you and your feeble brain yeah it He's just felt a little heavy-handed a nice guy <laughs> it did feel heavy-handed though i did have a question when trevor was talking and he said well yeah there's no way i'm gonna get one of these bozos to drop out It made me wonder, are the humans being evaluated as a group, like in their test with the judge, or are they being evaluated in the traditional sense, right? Where they just have to make enough points to get into the good place. Because I feel like the judge kind of has a different idea of what the experiment is, because at the end, she sort of clarifies, hey, it's going to be you know, just a regular experiment. Like, it's just, they're going to live their lives. They have to meet the point threshold. That's it. Was that always the plan? I figured as much. Okay. I never thought that they'd be judged as a group. Okay. Just, I feel like the experiment was getting them all together, getting them to learn about Mm -hmm. being better people, and then them being able to use that knowledge and increase their point value. Okay. Because... He says it as though if one person drops out, for example, Jason. Well, Jason gets distracted by a shiny thing and leaves. Sure. Right? Then is Michael really going to be that crushed? I can't imagine he would be that upset about yeah, Jason. Yeah, absolutely. Because he he feels like they only get better as a team. Even that if with Even with Jason. Jason Tahani? holds Tahani together and Eleanor together in some strange way. Hmm. I'm not convinced. I feel like Eleanor and Chidi could become better people together without 
Jason and Tahani. I do feel a little bit like Tahani and Jason, though they did have a nice moment or a nice couple of moments in this episode. Maybe just don't hold them together as well. Hmm. I don't know. I know that they're friends, but at this point in time, they're not really. Like Eleanor says herself that she has no attachment to them right now. So I feel like Eleanor would be just fine with Chidi there. But then, you know, maybe Michael does actually care about Tahani and does actually care about Jason. I just don't see a whole lot of it because his relationship to Eleanor is the focus. Mm-hmm. Right? Well, he does say that they're all his friends. So that's true. I guess he treats them as a group. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel when Chidi told Eleanor he wouldn't have any more time for one-on-one lessons? It made me sad. Yeah. But I get where he's coming from because he's trying to get something different than Eleanor is. Mm. His result, like his his goal, his end game is different than Eleanor's end game. She doesn't really care about this experiment and all that. She just wants to become a better person. She mm-hmm. wants to learn, you know, what we owe to each other. And Chidi is looking at the big picture and she's just kind of like looking in inwards. Mm. So... Chidi, to me, is trying to look at his career and find more meaning in his life. Right. This is his his baby, in a sense. Okay. So I understand what he's saying. It just sucks. Mm-hmm. Because being in a position that Eleanor is in is kind of... It's just a bummer. Mm-hmm. It made me sad. And I didn't even think about that really last episode when Chidi came up with this idea and all of them came together, I never thought, oh, hey, Eleanor's not actually going to like this. She's not going to be happy that she has to share him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did get another terrible Australian accent by a demon. First, we had Vicky in season two, and then Michael, and now Trevor. Yeah. I really feel like The Bad Place has something against Australians. Or maybe just, just like the French, right? Accents in general. Yeah. Maybe they're showing us that doing other people's accents is a bad thing. I like how Trevor mixes up two terrible... Trevor mixes up two stereotypical Australian things mm-hmm. to say. He he mixes up the Crocodile Dundee quote. That's not a knife. That's a knife. <laughs> and by saying just, this is a knife on the Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas if... I guess the the saying is throw another shrimp on the Barbie, but mm-hmm. nobody in Australia would ever say that. I guess it's like a perfect way to get yourself singled out as a tourist if you say that in this, in Australia. And also imagine. because Australians don't call them shrimp, they call them prawns. Ah, oh, throw another prawn on the Barbie. Yeah, that's so much better. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm guessing it's not. <laughs> and when Trevor suggests they all go to the bar and bend an elbow... I had to look that up. I'm like, that's an actual phrase for going to have a drink because you're literally bending your elbow to your mouth when you take a drink. Oh. Yeah, that's so cool. I learned something from Trevor. Is that like an Australian expression or just a general one? From what I could see, it was just a general expression. Ah. Bend an elbow. I'm going to start using it now. There you go. But I'll do a weird voice while doing it. I'll be like, I want to bend an elbow. Okay. And then no one will want to drink with me. It's a perfect plan. <laughs> Let us continue. The Brainy Bunch go to Cowboy Skyscraper Buffet, where they are served by Janet. 
Michael and Janet struggle without their powers. Meanwhile, Trevor's plan to break up the group is underway. He plants the idea of inappropriate fraternizing with students in Chidi's mind, which worries and discourages Eleanor. Trevor plays drinking games with Jason and Tahani in hopes that they'll hook up and Tahani will be so ashamed she'll catch the earliest flight out of Australia. So on Twitter, I asked, If the Cowboy Skyscraper Buffet has a table for every state, what would your state's table look like? So we got some pretty funny responses. Lisa at Fish Slap Dance, great, uh, great username, by the way, said, Tables at every restaurant are shaped like Colorado. And then, of course, I had to look up what the shape of Colorado is, and it's just a rectangle. <laughs> um. <laughs> Kristen at Kristen Frank said DC would be a kid's table in the corner where they get told what to do, but don't get to choose their own orders. <laughs> Sad. Mel at Mel Got Served said the Massachusetts table would be a photo of Sam Malone from Cheers and Michael's mind would be blown. That would be amazing. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Sarah at Silly Sarah May said, you must yell if you're sitting at the New Jersey table. And not even an angry yell, just increase the volume of everything. <laughs> oh, that table sounds great. <laughs> that's the obnoxious table that you that's at every restaurant that you go to that you just, you can hear them over everybody. Yeah. And you're like, is anyone going to tell them? And you're always right? looking over like, oh, but you don't go up and say anything because you don't. Yeah. Because you're from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> Casey at Casey Bannerman said about Canada that we be the less popular restaurant across the street, but with better food and higher prices. Yeah. 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 Sounds about right. Schmanuel said this about Texas. American flag table cover, glasses shaped like guns, napkin holder also shaped like a gun. The table itself is a giant gun and you can hear a voice under the table quietly mumbling racial slurs. (laughs) That's my favorite. (laughs) I love it. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much to everyone who responded. Um, It's a little bit harder, I guess, for us because we are Canadians, so we don't tend to know, like, each state's stereotypes and everything. So I'm a little bit curious, like, maybe we could do a Canadian version of this. Oh, yeah. I've got a couple ideas. would not be Cowboy Skyscraper Buffet. It would be, like, Moose, Beaver Tail. Moose, Igloo, Lumberjack, Beaver Tail... Yeah, lumberjack moose beaver. I don't know, whatever. <laughs> well, I can I can think of one for Saskatchewan. Oh. It would just be a really long table with only like four or five chairs and everybody <laughs> has to yell because there's like nothing on the table. It was just really flat. <laughs> Maybe a tumbleweed blows by every once in a while. Oh my god. Um a table for bc would just be everybody talking about how bc is great especially vancouver vancouver is amazing and like if you're there it's basically your identity and there's a sprinkler overhead that's just kind of on and is just drizzling all all the time yeah there's just a fog and there's a faint aroma of marijuana Mm, just yep 100 percent. yeah and then quebec would be like sequestered somewhere else because they're trying to like there would Get be the out table the outside that they're trying to... <laughs> the <laughs> one constantly... table on the patio. <laughs> They'd constantly be trying to take it away. <laughs> we love you, Quebec. Oh, we love you. Just stay with us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this restaurant is completely bonkers, right? It's just over the top, hilarious. Um, 
And then when they walk in and the hostess is saying, you can buy our Manifest Destiny package for $30 and we can boot anyone else out of their table. So then I had to look up what Manifest Destiny was because I kind of got the joke, didn't totally get the joke. Scary stuff. Yeah. So a quick Google search um, and... Things are about to get heavy. Yeah. So it says here, Manifest Destiny expressed the philosophy that drove 19th century U.S. territorial expansion. It held the belief that the United States was destined by God to expand its dominion and spread democracy and capitalism across the entire North American continent. Like a virus. Yeah. So, just a little lesson for mainly me. Completely disregarding any aboriginals or any natives who... We're already there. Yeah. Because exactly. it was it was like uh, they were already at the table in right. Florida. Too bad, you out of there. Cause we're coming in. Right. It's like yeah. they felt like it was their God given right to spread the the American way over everything. So that immediately got me thinking, that seems kind of familiar. Mm. Like I've heard of other countries doing that. Mm. And so of course. Um we're going to get a little bit deeper, just a little bit. I know I don't fully study all of the, the history and I didn't learn a whole lot about it. But briefly, from what I gathered, um, there was a German geographer named Friedrich uh, Ratzel. I'm sure I'm pronouncing it perfectly. Uh, <laughs> he visited North America in 1873. And after seeing the negative impact of Manifest Destiny, he promoted overseas colonization for Germany. Instead of expanding the German territories um, on land into the surrounding Slavic um, countries. Yeah, the yeah. Slavic countries. But unfortunately, his suggestion was misinterpreted as the right to expand within Europe. So the concept of Liebenstrom was born, which means basically it's living space. So Liebenstrom was turned into a geopolitical concept and kind of became Hitler's leading ideology of his Nazi Germany. So Dang. Manifest Destiny kind of inspired Nazi Germany. So way to go. Okay. Hmm. Well, I mean, a lot of bad shit happened. A lot of bad shit still happening. But a lot of bad shit happened then. Dang. Still a funny gig. I also did happen to notice that there were decorations um, that were not so appropriate. Like there were statues of like Native Americans with like beer cans or glasses that had the American flag on them or like a gun in their arms. Like, no. I feel like the set dressers no, no. while they're setting like doing these were like, oh, this is this is so uncomfortable. I don't yeah. feel right doing this. They're like, but it's a great gag. Basically, they're like, cool, we have to just, like, really lean into, like, our country's racism. So, we did get a table. We got the Montana table, which was a surprise. I figured we would get, like, Arizona or Florida. Um, and on the Montana table was a picture of a few different things. Um, I didn't really understand what most of it was, so I did have to look it up. But, I guess the most prominent picture was of dana carvey who's garth from wayne's world guess he's from montana so hmm. huh not sure if there's like a wayne's world like super fan in the good place uh writing room maybe maybe i've I honestly i've never seen it hmm. 
So you've never seen Wayne's World. Never oh, seen Wayne's Jason, World. We have homework now. It's not a Halloween movie. This is October. Oh my god, we can make it Halloween. It's Wayne Wor- Wayne's World, but spooky. I don't know. <laughs> there were a few other gags in the restaurant, but one of the ones that I want to talk about is the menu, which we don't actually get to see, but Kristen Bell posted a screenshot of it on her Instagram. Oh, nice. And I noticed a few different uh, things. So really just two that I want to talk about. So one is they have a punch burger, which is a reference to Parks and Rec. thought it was perfect. That ad for that burger is so great. It's so disgusting, but it makes me want a burger. So badly. And then the other one was the The Old Faithful which describes itself as every 10 minutes, your waiter will fire a blast of our world famous beefy beef chili into your mouth from a fire extinguisher. And we will keep firing until you tell us to stop. Oh my gosh. Okay. I love that's hilarious. I love the prop department so much. They put so much effort into everything and it's wonderful. It's It's too bad. They didn't get a zoom in on these menus. I do appreciate Kristen Bell posting it so that we can see just how hard these people work. Yeah. So last week you were talking about what if Janet came to Earth? Yeah. And here she is, our waitress. Boom. Next episode. And she's acting. Well, she's acting as Mm. a human, but Mm -hmm. not very well once she realizes she can't summon drinks for everyone. And... Let's Trevor know that she's keeping an eye on him and... Not very subtly. No. (laughs) Let's be honest, not very subtly at all. No. I do love her reveal, though. But then I started wondering, did she... Okay, if she doesn't have her powers, how does she have that outfit? Did she just go in the back and take it out of someone's cubby? Or, like, their locker? Because she has... She's got the name tag that says Janet. So she must have, like, created this in the hallway area and then come to earth but yeah maybe i'm just saying there are potential inconsistencies here how does she have that outfit if she doesn't have i don't know if it's very important it's important to me jason i'm gonna be nitpicky (laughs) maybe okay i'm just gonna headcanon it as someone is exactly her size and has her name and they're off today i just like the idea that she created it in the hallway done but how would she know they were going there or was that just her outfit, regardless of where they went? Because <laughs> they're watching. Like, Janet's watching. Yeah. And they get to the restaurant. She's mm-hmm. like, okay, they're at the restaurant. Let's conjure up a, an outfit. Okay, All right, on. down to the restaurant. Way to go. Making sense of things, Jason. It's what we do here in this podcast. <laughs> no, I just ask a lot of questions. <laughs> I really like the little Western music beat that we get when Janet and Trevor finally see each other. Like a showdown. Yeah. Mm Because you know it's a showdown, right? Oh, yeah. Of course, Jason doesn't clue in. No. Tahani's kind of just watching everything with semi-interest. That's the part that weirds me out in this episode. Why isn't Tahani as annoyed by Trevor as Eleanor is? I feel like she should be. I think she's just absorbing everything because she's. this is a new environment for her. She's never been in a slummy restaurant like this. She's never sat at a table with people drinking beer. And she's she feels like an outsider. So mm. she's kind of keeping to herself. That's my thoughts. Okay. It's interesting to have her so quiet. Mm-hmm. 
I'm hoping she really hated him and we get to talk about it next episode. Oh, yeah. And then Janet comes in with the truth bomb. Humans only live 80 years and they spend so much of it just waiting for things to be over. Yeah, Janet, I'm waiting for this week to be over, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I'm waiting for this recording session to be over so I can eat a sandwich. Yeah, it is a it's a, it's a harsh reality that she says that mm. it's you don't want to think about life like that, but you wait for a lot of things. You wait for your paycheck. You wait for your kids to grow up. You wait for you wait at the doctor's office. You're you waiting wait for everywhere. the bus. You're waiting for your favorite show to come on the air. Like you're waiting for bedtime. You're waiting for the right time to take a nap so you don't look like a lazy bum. You know, <laughs> some real life examples here. <laughs> How how long can I stay awake before I can take a nap? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of waiting that goes on. Mm-hmm. And Michael's response, like everything's a little bit too dry or a little bit too wet. and Oh, damn, I feel that. Ugh, gross. Mm. But Janet in this scene, she's visibly frustrated. She's mm. annoyed. She's angry about just everything. She's whining a little. She is. She yeah. is whining. And... That's so human of her. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, we've talked about this enough, but it's still nice to just briefly go over how maybe it's not her becoming more human. It's humans having an influence on her. Right. She's She's been around them too long. Mm-hmm. And her interactions with humans are no longer just a transaction. You know, right. prior it was answering a question that they had or it was retrieving something for them and now she's spending time with them she she's socializing them as as friends in a way she socializes she she cares about them Mm -hmm. especially jason but she cares about them and that really makes her so much more human yeah she says to michael it's worse for me man (laughs) she even says man like yeah it's like basically saying it's worse for me dude well, honestly, you pick stuff up. It's it's kind of crazy, but I started working at my current workplace about 10 months ago, and everyone there says, fair enough, all the time. Now I say it, all the time. You absorb. You 100% do. So I get it. You know, Eleanor has probably said a million times, well, it's worse for me, man. There you go. It's just in Janet's subconscious which is like i don't know some other hard drive or something Mm -hmm. however she's made so yeah and she tells us right off the bat that her powers don't work she can't as soon as she came down to earth she stopped updating Mm -hmm. raul benitez was eating a ham sandwich did he finish it i gotta find out it's eating me alive i gotta Mm -hmm. figure this out also she's pouring them cider they clearly asked for beer she's not very good at her fake job I love it because beer's gross and cider's delicious. The point so is, can wait on me any day. She's pouring them cider. <laughs> they asked for beer. She's not good at her job. But she's that's not fine. good at her fake job. That's okay. It's a fake job. <laughs> <laughs> Chidi panics, worried that he's already made a mistake by being friendly with Eleanor. Michael intervenes to talk him through the situation while Janet tries to mess with Trevor's plan. To Honey and Jason flirt and leave the bar together. So my heart broke a little bit, again, when Eleanor said that she thought she and Chidi were becoming actual friends. And she says, well, you're the reason I flew all the way from Arizona. She's being so vulnerable. I know. 
She's being so open and... And this moment kind of made me think that I'd like to see this relationship from a different angle. I mean, in season one, we had Eleanor realize that she loved Chidi and then confess that love. But then kind of take it back a little bit because maybe it's just a friend thing and maybe I misunderstood. And then we have season two where she genuinely falls in love with Chidi and doesn't have those feelings reciprocated until the last possible second. So we're kind of getting a repeat of that a little bit. I see that Eleanor is reaching out. She's vulnerable. She wants more from her relationship with Chidi in some way. But she wants a different kind of relationship at this point. True. I guess I'd just see, I'd love to see Chidi be the one who wants more from their relationship, mm-hmm. even if it is just friendship. But maybe that's not true to their characters. What do you think? It's it's all Chidi in his head. He can't get out of that mindset of this is inappropriate for work. He can't even, it's like he's not even looking past the study. Right. I just mean in general, like from this season as a whole, it would be nice to see Chidi kind of pine for Eleanor. I guess. I don't like it. I I like him and Simone. No, and I understand that. Let's just imagine Simone wasn't in the picture, right? Then would you want Chidi to pine for Eleanor? Because I kind of crave that. I'd love to see, even if it was like a Bizarro World episode where like Chidi is just so in love with Eleanor, just because my heart keeps breaking for Eleanor not being able to get what she needs from Chidi or not get what she wants, I guess, from Chidi. And I was so happy in that moment last season and then... Now we're potentially going to have to wait for like a really long time. I do honestly feel like they are end game. Like they're going to end up together. I don't know. I'm I'm not really thinking about that. Hmm. I'm I I guess I'm just seeing Eleanor going through a repeat of her childhood almost Aww. like putting herself out there and being rejected by her mom or trying to do something nice and then her mom shutting her down or she's putting herself out there for Chidi. And he keeps on shutting her down. And it's it's almost like she's going to regress again, like, until we see the end of the episode. But that she's just, her walls have come down and down, and then she just builds them right back up. Because mm-hmm. it's like, well, I tried, and I got nothing, so why try? Why bother trying again? Mm. But then I think if they had left it longer, like, if she had gone through this a few mm-hmm. more days or even a few more weeks, then she would have been right back in her old ways. But Chidi does go and visit her immediately and mm-hmm. talk to her and explain that, yes, she is still a friend and he kind of saves the situation. He does. In time. He does. I, I like that moment where he's the one who reaches out to her. She's not trying to reassure him. It's nice to see that. I guess I'm I'm really looking at it through these like, relationship glasses of like oh but wouldn't it be nice if Chidi pined for Eleanor for once right eh whatever I don't know I'm not thinking about their relationship at this point I'm thinking about their platonic relationship that's true that's true and that's where every good relationship should start 100% or as um Trevor would say I 100p uh back that so And at this point, like, even though Chidi, you know, he immediately starts to panic when Trevor brings up 
that this could be bad or unethical in some way. Chidi starts to panic, but then at the end, he just, he stands his ground. He says, no, I have to be professional about this. I'm sorry, I'm going to go. He doesn't stand there for four hours talking Eleanor's ear off about it. He makes a decision pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. He and really does. And even though we do see him agonizing later, like he's not sleeping, all that kind of stuff, and he changes his mind, even in that moment, that seems like growth to me. Small growth, but growth. Agreed. Every little step in the right direction, guys. So let's continue. The following day, Chidi is a little delirious from a sleepless night. The group meets up, but Eleanor is a no-show. Tahani and Jason discuss their PG-rated evening, and Chidi goes to find Eleanor. He convinces her not to leave and to continue with the study. By invoking a reason of which is friends. The reason is friends. What? The reason is friends, Janet! Chidi doesn't want Eleanor to leave because she's his friend. Done. This whole show is a lot about friendshipping, and I like it. <laughs> Except when you're on the relationship train. Yeah, I'm on the friendship train now. I switch gears very quickly, <laughs> so. So, Jason's writing in his notebook. Is he? I did not even notice that. Well, he wrote on his notebook. Because oh the the stuff or the the topic of discussion mm-hmm. on the whiteboard is the history of philosophy. Mm-hmm. And Jason wrote the history of Phil and Sophie. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, yeah. It's just when when Tahani comes in and says, you know, attention, everyone. Don't look at me. He's that's what he's writing. It's it's funny. Oh, that's great. Yeah. (laughs) I really like that Tahani straight up just tells Trevor that it's absolutely none of his business what happened between her and Jason last night. I did get a little worried, and I really should have more faith in this show, but TV has betrayed me so many times. You've been hurt before. I have been, and I lack a little bit of trust. So in the previous scene when Jason and Tahani were drinking together and Tahani puts her shoulder or her head on his shoulder, and he kind of has this little smile, I thought, oh my goodness, she has had too much to drink. Do not do anything. That is wrong. She can't consent. Blah, blah, blah. And I just went into immediate panic mode. And then when you find out in this scene that, of course, of course, and I should have trusted, but of course, Jason didn't do anything. He just got her home, probably helped her into the apartment and then left to go sleep in a dumpster. (laughs) But of course, he didn't do anything. But I'm so used to this whole like, oh, yeah, bro, she's super hammered. I'm going to now have intercourse with this person uh no 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 so very glad we didn't go in any direction anywhere near that i'm glad we didn't even see them kiss or nothing it just didn't happen he was a perfect gentleman just like she said yep perfect gentleman and trevor's visibly annoyed by that he's like oh how dare he not be a demon and he's and jason's really sweet too like Tahani is so ashamed, she comes in with handwritten apology letters, and he just says to her, no, you were fun, and it was really fun getting to know you. Jason's still incredibly sweet, and he still thinks of Tahani as the fanciest person he knows, except from the guy who drives in a limo all day. Oh, what a life. Yeah. But it's nice to see that, regardless of their circumstance, 
they still have this weird connection, right? They seem like they wouldn't make any sense, and yet here they are. Yep. And I like how Jason mistakes the word boorish for being boring. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, well, so many of Tahani's words were definitely ones where Jason would have to drink because he doesn't get it. Oh, yeah. He would have been hammered after her speech of, like, uncouth comportment. Been like, (laughs) wait, what? (laughs) So I know I was just talking about how much I want Chidi and Eleanor to be together, but I did think it was pretty sweet in this moment when Simone anticipates Chidi's needs. She already has a car ready for him outside. She knows he's going to want to go find Eleanor. She understands. And she's able to be there for him and support him. And it reminded me of um, last season and Best Self when Michael was talking about one of the reboots when Chidi and Eleanor fell in love and how she handed him like a tissue before he was about to sneeze and the simple act of anticipating his needs is what made him fall for her. I feel like that's happening a little bit. Mm -hmm. We're going to see them fall more in love and they're very, very cute. So yeah, it's it's that scene right before this that we learn that they're, you know, they're sleeping together. Yeah, they're spending the night at each other's places. That's big. Yeah. So... So did you, uh, on a much less cute and serious note, did you notice the callback on Eleanor's magazine cover in the hotel room? The Hem's Worthless? <laughs> yeah. And then it's a callback to Tahani's joke about dating Larry Hemsworth, you know? Oh, I thought it was a great moment. All right, so let's finish up our episode. While Michael, Janet, and Trevor argue in the washroom, the doorman enters through a portal. He tells them the judge needs to see all of them. Now. The judge quickly dismisses Trevor, and she reprimands Michael for disobeying her rules and returning to Earth without her permission. She explains that his actions have ripple effects, like how now the Jacksonville Jaguars are actually a good team. She's about to send Michael and Janet back to the bad place when Janet's print cue interrupts them and offers them a chance to escape. Michael silently pleads for the doorman's help, and he throws the key to Michael. Our favorite demon and Janet escape to Earth. <gasps> so much happens in this scene. Oh my gosh, so much. So much. I thought that the scene was just going to end in that hallway, and it was going to be, oh, cliffhanger, is Michael going to get retired? Is Janet going to be marvelized? And then, of course, we already know that's not going to happen. Um really glad they went around still kept going and changed it up on me yeah they changed it up huge Mm -hmm. so jen knows all about it Mm -hmm. she knows that michael disobeyed she knows basically everything like we find out how trevor snuck past the doorman i mean just really briefly over like just a sentence like oh yeah i just snuck past him and tricked him Instead of, you know, all these theories last episode that we had, like, oh, how did he do it? Did he, mm-hmm. you know, was that, did it have to do with the thermos? And, like, it's just, it all happens so quickly. It makes me really wonder where the season's going. Mm. Because they just keep knocking out these storylines mm-hmm. and then dismissing them. Yeah. Immediately. Yeah. Like, this whole Trevor thing, I thought was going to go on for at least a few episodes. Me too. So, 
is he gone for good now that he's flicked off into the abyss? Mm-hmm. And then if he's gone for good, how exactly are you going to explain that on Earth? Chidi and Jason and Tahani and Eleanor, everybody's going to notice that he's not there. Eleanor will be overjoyed that he's not there anymore. But are they going to, like, send out a police squad? Like, think he's been kidnapped? What? Um, is honestly, Michael, my, well, like, that's uh, what I think. Michael is going to show up on Earth with Janet. And, and pretend to have kidnapped him? No, and <laughs> tell them all about the whole thing. Oh, no, you can't tell them. Why not? Oh, my gosh. What if they... Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that possibility. That would, like, break all their brains. No way they believe them. Unless. I don't know. It's just there's so many... (laughs) Like, there's so many things that the show has done in these two episodes Mm -hmm. that just could have lasted a whole season. Yeah. I know. They, like, really run through plot quickly. I kept thinking to myself, dang, this is going too fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I could spend a whole episode at the restaurant. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm kind of hoping that this doesn't mean Maya's gone for the rest of the season. No, I'm... I need her arm flapping back. Oh, my goodness. She was ridiculous. I loved it I thought it she so was going to take off. <laughs> She's just going to start flying yeah. away. She's like, I'm at it with you guys. I'm flying away now. Um, yeah, she was, she's amazing. I think Maya Rudolph is fantastic. She really just has no ego. She doesn't care about looking ridiculous. So mm-hmm. she just goes for it. Mm-hmm. I love that. I think it's great. And I really like that she flicks Trevor away. It's really subtle. But she actually, like, just flicks him away like he's a tiny bug on her sleeve instead of just waving her arm, mm-hmm. right? Like, she's always wave- she's waving away all of Janet's print cue items. Mm-hmm. No, she flicks Trevor away like he's a bug because he is. Yeah, that is, that is the difference. I like yeah. that. And we see there has been a butterfly effect. All of Michael's actions have made some changes. Michael, you made Brexit happen. That's bad. And we can assume he made some other political things happen that they just didn't mention because it would be too easy. Yeah. <laughs> if that's your fault, Michael, you should not have gone back. Yeah. So did you pause at all for Janet's print queue? Oh, yeah. Yeah? My favorite okay. item. My favorite item in the stack is the Ark of the Covenant from Raiders of the Lost Ark. What? Yeah. The Ark that holds God's presence is up there. So (laughs) it makes me think, Janet, what were you trying? Why were you trying to summon the Ark? Like, (laughs) it's just this solid gold little box with handles on it. That's like up in the top right corner. Maybe it's just something she knew Jason would like. Wanted to give him a gift. Yeah. Maybe Chidi would appreciate it. A little history there. Uh, A few things that I noticed um, were several cacti. Yeah, which is perfect. Uh, A jet ski, probably for Jason, because she knows that, you know, that one time he hit a manatee with his jet ski. Uh, She also had grenades and poison, which I'm guessing are for Trevor. A sign that says Trevor stinks. A regular drink from Ponch Burger, which is about the size of a child. (laughs) Um, And Ugly Nick's Meat Trench. So there's a lot of good, like, fun callbacks, fun little 
things in there to to pick out. Mm-hmm. So it was well worth pausing for a moment. Yeah. And I the guess the giraffe to see... was up there, and yeah. there's like a tractor, and mm-hmm. oh yeah, lots of fun a stuff. A tank, lots of fun stuff. And did you notice Janet looked scared when the judge said they were going to get sent back to the bad place? She was like. I'm going to be marbleized. Like, she's actually worried about her own life now. Yeah. You remember last time that Michael was, you know, talking about marbleizing her and she was talking about marbleizing her? She didn't care. She was indifferent. She's like, do it. Let's go. Marbleize me. Let's do it. Yeah, 100%. Like, it'll be better if I'm gone. This is a very different Janet. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm liking it. I think it's sweet. She's concerned about her own well-being, as she should be. Yes. And then Michael and the doorman have their little oh. eyeball moment. Michael's face in that moment was so sad. Yeah, he was like desperate, but he didn't want to say anything. Mm-hmm. Because he knew that he had no right to ask for help. Mm-hmm. But he did the doorman a solid, got him that little thermos. He's fighting back against the system. The doorman's totally for it. Yeah. Pulling for you. Even though he's just like, yeah, they escaped. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was great. You find out his name's Jeff. So I wonder if, since Jen is short for hydrogen, Mm. I wonder if Jeff is short for some other... Jeffrogen? (laughs) No. Jen is the last part (laughs) of the element. So I'm wondering if Jeff is the ending of one of the... (laughs) Wow. I don't think there's a hydro Jeff. You must have failed science. (laughs) Oh, probably, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't think there's an element out there that ends in Jeff. <laughs> I mean, I I mean we're so. on Jeff party. <laughs> Our categories are Jeff, 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 Jeff. Maybe it was a it was a callback to the dank memes of 2017 when everyone was like, my name is Jeff. Oh, from um, maybe that's what it was. 22 Jump Street. Yeah, sure. I don't know what the origins of half of memes are. Every meme, I pretty much don't know where it came from. <laughs> so, overall impressions about the episode? It's good. It was just so fast. Yes. Like, going back to analyze what happened, there's like, there's so much that happened. And everything that they set up in the first episode is pretty much done. Except for the whole experiment. Mm-hmm. Like, the whole study that GD and Simone are doing. Yep. But Sean sending his minion. Um, we still don't know really why Sean is targeting these four humans. I mean, we're spite. guessing a spite. It's spite. Yeah. Um, but we don't know if Sean's going to get reprimanded by a Jen. Mm-hmm. What's Michael and Janet going to do? Like, we yeah. have no idea. And it's great. Yeah. And my the same concern kind of holds for me is... I'm still worried that we're going to have Earth and then we're going to have the afterlife and those two things will not meet. Those two stories will not intersect, really. Because if we're still having the judge doing whatever she's planning on doing and Sean doing whatever he's planning on doing and Trevor and all that, and then we have... Hey, at least we have Janet and Michael on Earth now. Yes, that's true. So our core group. It's the most important. So... I'm interested to see if they can weave them together or if they're even going to bother focusing on the afterlife. Right. Because since Michael has the key, maybe Jen can't even get down to Earth anymore. Maybe nobody can. Yeah. I mean, 
She's named after, like, the first Adams that were in existence. So maybe she has another key. Yeah. So it turns out that key wasn't just the afterlife. Like, people playing a prank on him. Like, oh, yeah, bro, this is totally the first key. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I guess it was legit. So shall we get to our mailbag? Sure. Do we have some mail? We have lots. (laughs) Dun, 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 dun. Da, 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 mail. Our first piece of mail comes from James at Werewolf2814. I love Don't Want to Miss a Thing. Also, why did you not mention the fact that Chidi, Eleanor, and S- Simone could become a triad? Hashtag thruple. You make um, a very good point. Disregarding James. everything you said because he likes that song. <laughs> sorry, but not sorry. <laughs> You are very correct. Eleanor looked like she had stars in her eyes the moment she saw Simone. And I'm for it. 100%. Hashtag thruple goals. Okay. Thank you, James. Reevaluate your musical choices. Yeah, just saying. That's a horrible song. <laughs> it's god awful. <laughs> In It Weird at Thursday Next 13, you talked about how Eleanor and Chidi weren't always soulmates, but what do we even know? This was all fake and just an experiment of putting different people together in varying scenarios. Do we even have evidence that soulmates are a real thing? The whole thing is confusing to me. Do you wait for your soulmate if they die later than you? Or are they forced to die on the same day? Or do you just get assigned an available one? So many questions. And you're right. There are so many questions. Yeah. And we don't know if soulmates are a real thing. No. Janet does mention in the first episode of the season that Chidi and Eleanor were not always soulmates, but they still ended up helping each other, blah, blah, blah. She mentioned soulmates as though that's a real thing. Mm -hmm. So I know that previously on this podcast, I said that I felt like soulmates was really just something that Michael was using to better torture the humans because oh great now you have a soulmate that you don't love that's perfect that's 100% perfect for torturing people absolutely but maybe they are a real thing further analysis required Mm -hmm. our next piece of mail comes from Fred at F. Firestein he said you were talking about the balance of power between Chidi and Eleanor I think Chidi's indecisiveness balance out Eleanor's lack of morals and impulse control. That's what is being turned into positive characteristics, too. Okay. No, I get it. There's... Before, I was talking about the the power imbalance between Eleanor and Chidi because Chidi was always holding her afterlife in his hands, in a way, right? He was kind of there to help her so that she wouldn't go to hell. But now there's there's less power power um, and balance here. I agree with you. I think they balance each other out quite well. Um, Eleanor has to take more time to think about things because Chidi takes so much time to think about things. So they really are a good match for each other. Eleanor has the street smarts and Chidi has the book smarts and they can mm-hmm. help each other out. Yep. And I'm sure Eleanor just thinks she has all the hots and he has all the brains, but Mm -hmm. have you seen him? 
Just saying. <laughs> Allie at Allie CT pointed out that Tahani's video segment is poking fun at the Vogue series 73 questions. I had no idea that existed at all. So it's okay, thank you weren't you. missing out. <laughs> um, it's the stupidest thing ever. Oh, okay. We have an opinion. Hot take from Jason over here. <laughs> uh, she also said, I'm wondering if you have any thoughts or hypotheses about the show's end game. Do you think that the goal will be for there to be a medium place? Do you think the team cockroach experiments change the ruling for who goes into the good or in bad place? Hmm. Um, I haven't thought too much about the end game of the show. I mean, I've definitely thought about how this entire afterlife system needs to be restructured because it's so unfair. Complete overhaul of the system. Yeah, there needs to be an overhaul. So I'm hoping that by the end of the show, there will be an overhaul and there will be a much more fair system. But I haven't really thought too much about each season as a whole, like what we're trying to accomplish in every season. I feel like this experiment is definitely going to help us get to that point. Um, But I do know they're trying to aim for like five seasons right now. And because this show keeps surprising me, I feel like I can't predict. It's almost unfair to try and predict it. Yeah. It's just so hard. Um, I'm just hoping it's going to be a total overhaul of the system. That's that's what I want. Yep. Allie asked another question. She said, I'm also wondering if we can take what Michael has said about the bad place as being all true. For example, are all more philosophers really there? In season one, it seemed like unless you were a humanitarian or a philanthropist type, you were going to the bad place. I think Michael actually was telling the truth. I think it was one of those moments where a lie is more convincing when there's truth to it. I don't know about every single moral philosopher, because I'm certain that many of them have had impact in the world in a positive way. But it's pretty clear to me, I feel... That the system is just so bad that unless you're pretty much perfect, you're not getting into the good place. Which I think is part of Michael's problem with this experiment as well. Because when Jen says that they're just going to have to meet the regular threshold to get into the good place, he might see it as impossible without his intervention. Mm -hmm. And even that in itself is a big sign. That's like a big warning sign right there. Like, come on. Yeah. Thank you, Ellie. Victoria at Victoria K. Martin says, I have to say that I don't really agree with the idea that the judge is only watching NCIS for three hours a day. (laughs) It seems very low to me when we know she doesn't really have anything else to do. Oh, completely agree. I personally was merely bringing up three hours a day because that seemed like something that an average no life human could do. Like me. Sure. If, (laughs) If you or... Joe Blow Banana Pants wanted to watch NCIS and get through it. This is something that they could humanly do. Mm, okay. Jen was probably watching a lot more. Oh, yeah. She oh. was definitely like blasting through that watching probably like a good 12 hours a day at least. And Victoria also says, I think attempts to apply linear time to the good, bad, medium, neutral place are doomed to fail because I think it's just another limitation that doesn't exist in that realm. Sort of related, I've heard a theory that Simone could be the judge in disguise, since the judge also has a thing for Chidi. Plus, it would explain the bad accent. I like this because it would mean that she's more active in the experiment, plus gives an easy out for Chidi and Simone. 
I don't think that that's going to happen. I don't think that somebody mm-hmm. in the in Jen's position or anyone can take over a body. Mm-hmm. Or change their appearance. Right. It seems to me that as soon as you land on Earth, mm-hmm. you're powerless. Yeah. And I don't know whether that extends to the judge as well, even though she is she's like all powerful, but still, so is Janet. Yeah, and so, she's basically useless on Earth. Mm-hmm. So I don't think we're going to get a situation where it turns out somebody is someone else in disguise. Mm-hmm. I don't think so, too. It's an interesting theory, though. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is something that people have been discussing the last episode. Like, mm-hmm. they thought maybe Vicky was Simone or whatever. You mentioned that before. But, yeah, yeah I don't think that's going to come up. Now, to comment on the attempts to apply a linear time... That's honestly just us being that picky. We oh, like yeah. doing that. Yeah. It's fun to try and think about, oh, well, have they really just been sitting there in, in that room for a whole year? Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't really believe the time works at all the same way. I don't feel like... Worst stakeout ever. Yeah. I don't <laughs> feel like that's true. I just think it's fun to think about. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Thank you, Victoria. Our penultimate message comes from Kate at I Do Human Things. She said, It's hard for me to believe that Trevor, Michael, and Janet don't pee or poo if they are consuming food or drinks and have none of their powers while on Earth. To be frank, we've only seen Trevor consuming, if I recall correctly. Sure, their bodies might not be human per se, but if each of their potty wormholes aren't working while on Earth, I just don't see the logic here. Also, sorry, Jason, but this episode made me Tahani and Jason for life. Okay, so, um, bowel movements? Yeah, like, I, <laughs> what I like to think is they haven't been on Earth long enough for them to start working. So mm-hmm. maybe the longer that Trevor or Janet or Michael are on Earth, the more their bodies start to turn human. Because these bodies are human bodies Mm. and they encompass all the human aspects. I'm sure they have blood in them and organs and everything. Well, do they? Because I'm guessing they do as soon as they cross the threshold of Earth. Do you remember though? Because in season two, they had that one guy who took off like his human suit and he was just like this giant rock demon thing. Mm -hmm. So maybe that's what Michael looks like and it's just a suit. Maybe that's what Trevor looks like. Even when they get down to Earth? Maybe. Because I feel like that would be part of their powers. Mm, Like suddenly they go on Earth and their bodies that appear human become human. Because they have to. I'm not sure. Maybe we'll find out. Maybe we will. Janet will use the bathroom in an episode. Maybe it'll be like her or one of them realizing like, what the heck? What is this weird feeling in my stomach area? Like, what's going on? And Michael will be so excited. He'll be like, oh my God, is this what indigestion is? (gasps) (laughs) I need to find a bathroom. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> so excited. How do I do this? Kind of like... I just the... sit? I sit? Oh, okay. And kind I of just like wait. in The Hot Chick with Rob Schneider oh, when gosh. he becomes a man. Oh, that, uh, that scene is amazing. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> maybe it's going to be a throwaway line in the next episode that they'll breeze over in like four seconds. Mm-hmm. We never know. We'll yeah. see. So Kate says, sorry, Jason, but this episode may be to, like ship Tahani and Jason for life. Because I like Eleanor and Tahani. 
Oh, I want them right. to. Yes. But I do like Jason and Dahani. I think they're great and totally mismatched, mm-hmm. but at the same time, perfectly matched mm. because they're so wrong for each other. It's just so right. <laughs> okay. So wrong. So right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm a bit surprised to see how quickly we're going back there with Jason and Tahani. I really thought maybe we would do something different this season. I think it's going to cause problems with Janet. I think that's why they're putting them together so quickly. Oh, okay. Because Janet's going to come back in and then we can do the whole thing from last season again? Yep. No. Well, no. we're going to start to do the thing from last season and then they're going to flip it on its head and do something totally different. Yes. Because that's what they do. Yes. <gasps> Janet and Eleanor. They fall oh. in love. I mean, Eleanor's basically a female Jason. She's just a, smarter, but she still is like trash baggy-ish. <laughs> so... I'm just saying, no one's talking about Janet and Eleanor, so I'm starting the Jen Eleanor train. Beep, beep. That's not a train sound. (laughs) Choo-choo. There you go. Good job. Janet loves trains. Choo-choo. Okay. All right. And our last message comes from Joey on Reddit. Joey says, I just wanted to point out something very interesting with this episode that might lend to some discussion. Michael considers Trevor evil and acts very naive and awkward around him. Trevor is there to cause trouble for Michael and the humans. Michael and Trevor's fake dynamic from season one is now their actual dynamic. That's something I think is very rarely explored storytelling technique, subverting the expectations of the audience by actually returning to something we've learned to be false and growing the characters so as to match the old fake characters' identities. That's a mouthful, but mm-hmm. essentially, I'm going to stop there because... I don't think their dynamic was fake in season one. I think Michael really hated Trevor. Mm. I think he just couldn't stand him. And that's part of the reason why he wanted to start his own experiment. So he didn't have to deal with the politics of those jerks. I felt more like it was Michael trying to prove himself. Mm -hmm. And Trevor is just naturally good at this, right? He's just always been good at torturing people. Whereas Michael, it seems like Michael waited a very long time before getting a chance to make his own neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And there's some, you know, workplace rivalry going on. Yeah, I I still, I never got the feeling that Michael and Trevor's rivalry was fake. Oh, okay. I'm trying to remember, did Michael and Trevor ever have a moment together where their dynamic was different? I don't think we saw one. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Joey continues to say, Also, Michael speaks of Trevor as if he's always hated him or had problems with him. We still don't know what their actual relationship is. Were they friends? Were they always at odds? Did Sean maybe force Trevor to participate in season one and their antagonism was somewhat real? Hmm. What do you think? So many questions. Yeah, I mean, it's... We don't know what their history is. But, like I said, I don't think it was fake and they're... They, did antagonize each other legitimately it's Mm -hmm. like uh like you said uh workplace rivalry yeah i think so like you just said here um do you feel like sean forced trevor to participate in season one and their antagonism was somewhat real pretty much that's where i'm at right now i think it's kind of funny this idea that michael was never that great at his job but he came up with a really interesting experiment he just 
wasn't very good at it. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not very good at being a demon. And I'm okay with that. Because it's more plausible for someone who's not very good at being a demon to become more human and become caring and thoughtful the way that Michael has become. Than, say, Trevor becoming... Yeah, Trevor pretends to be a nice person this episode, and he basically fails a couple hours in. He starts acting like a real douchebag in the restaurant, and it's only been a few hours that they've been together. So, Trevor can't even fake being nice for very long. He's pretty much like the Janet that, like, self-destructed when she had to be nice for a minute. Yeah. 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 So... That's pretty much my thoughts. Um, I think that's really interesting, though, because I hadn't thought about their relationship maybe being different in a way where suddenly we're understanding, oh, they had to pretend to be this way, but now they're actually this way. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. Thank you, Joey, for sending us that message. And that brings us to the end of our mailbag. Thank you so much for everyone who's sending us messages. I just love going through all of them and and really getting a chance to think about things from a different perspective because of course it's Jason and I talking to each other every week and it's so nice to be able to bring some other thoughts to the table too so thank you very much for that okay that brings us to the end of Fork and Bullshirt a multiverse radio production if you like the show please leave us a rating and a review on iTunes this is the best way for others to find the show And if you want to get in touch with us, we are on Twitter at Multiverse Radio and on Facebook at Multiverse Radio Podcast. You can also email us directly from our website, multiverseradio.ca. We're also on YouTube. Just search Multiverse Radio. Yeah. I know a lot of people don't use YouTube, but if that's an easier way for you to listen, go check it out. I'm saying that, like, a lot of people don't use YouTube. Like, you never heard of YouTube before. Like, it's this really, like, underground site. Like You probably haven't heard of it. Yeah. I just mean a lot of people don't maybe use YouTube for podcasts. I wasn't trying to be all hipster on you. Okay, thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.